0: Hey, you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. I'm Doug Bursch. Today, we're going to talk about a religious spirit or a legalistic spirit. I found that people can come out of religious environments or legalistic environments, and they can change the content of their conversations, but they don't change the spirit of the way they communicate. We're gonna look at this religious spirit, and we're also gonna look at the words katanuma, Katasarka. What does it mean to have a better dialogue? Fairly spiritual. Coming up.
1: They say that I cannot do what you've called me to. It is not possible, unattainable. I will never see it through. But you spoke. dreams with you.
0: Hey, thanks for listening. I really do appreciate that you take this time. Uh, I don't know what you're doing during this podcast. Are you multitasking? I hope you are. I hope you're multitasking. Uh, Maybe you're mowing the lawn. Uh, Maybe you're doing the dishes. Uh, By the way, if I say that, for those of you who are just sitting there doing nothing, you already feel condemned, don't you? You're like, can I just listen to a podcast? Do I have to multitask? Whatever you're doing, Thanks for joining us today. Okay, so this is what we're doing on today's show. I'm going to talk about having a religious spirit, or just the religious spirit in general. And I use that term for what I'd like to call a a legalistic spirit, a pharisaical spirit. And I don't just use pharisaical because sometimes uh, the Pharisees get a bad rap. Um, but a pharisaical spirit in our culture now, we we kind of know what that means, right? It's the people who who are kind of just legalistic and judgy and religious and haven't really entered into the grace and the freedom for which Christ has set us free. And And I want to look at uh, the context of some of us have been raised or were raised in environments that were very legalistic, they were very religious, and we might have come out of those environments, but maybe we are still carrying on the residuals of those environments in our attitude, in our spirit, that we might still have a religious spirit in the way we communicate. and So I want to get into that. Uh, And also, I'm going to talk about the fact that I I talked about this in a class. I teach uh, some theology classes from time to time, and students were so excited about something I taught that all the students in my cohort, or at least most of them, went out and got tattoos of uh, one of the things I taught. And I'll tell you about that phrase, but it made me a little nervous, Uh, (laughs) you know, where you're like, "Uh uh-oh, I I hope I was right. Because if not, if I change my theology, uh, you have a tattoo uh, on your arm or wherever they... I don't know where they put it. I didn't ask. I didn't want to know. <laughs> That's another issue. So so anyway, I'll i will tell that story about how I taught this point on uh, uh, from the Greek, from the Apostle Paul's teaching on living according to the spirit versus the flesh. And uh, some students were like, yeah, we went out and got tattoos. And for a moment, I was like, boy, I, I better really believe what I'm... What I'm saying here because uh, there are consequences to this. Uh, But before we talk about this religious spirit, I just want to give an announcement to everyone. Uh, We are so close to my book being available. I've uh, written a book called The Community of God A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. And uh, you can go to my webpage, fairlyspiritual.org. It's going to come out in paperback on Kindle, a digital version for your digital readers. And uh, also there'll be an audio book as well. The book is about my heart. It's just, it's my heart about the church. And I really encourage you, if you need a a theology that would help you, where you struggle with abiding with community, you struggle with relationships, it's it's about relationships of why we need each other, from marriage to family to friends to the church— so we go into some deep theology. We talk about Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and the Tower of Babel. And we just work our way from the Old Testament up into the New Testament. We talk about how Jesus ministered through community. It's it's a huge, just it's my heart concerning community. But the reason I wrote it, uh, besides God just telling me to do that, I felt the Lord had led me is I wrote it because I don't like community. I don't like being around people. I don't like being hurt. And I talk about that in the book. So it's not one of those accusations like, if you were a better person, you'd go to church. What, I, what I'm what i writing is an argument for why I believe it's biblically based and right for us to be in community, but why I don't want to be in community and why I want to run away. And so I think it would help anyone who struggles with that. It'd be great for pastors leaders and congregants. Congregants, that's such a weird word. Uh, lay people, that's a worse word. So anyway, it'll be available for people who are just interested in this. I know it's not that sexy of a topic. My kids tell me not to use the word sexy, but I'm bringing sexy back. Uh, anyway, you can... No, I'm not bringing it back. Uh, I think someone else already did that. But anyway, I would encourage you, go to fairlyspiritual.org and find more information, or it'll be available on amazon.com. There are so many ways. To avoid this book, really. So uh, enough of that. Let's get into today's topic: a religious spirit. Uh, people have asked me, "What do you mean by religious spirit?" And when I use that term, I think in terms of a legalistic spirit—a spirit that's not based on a relationship with God and, and a leading or the leading of the Holy Spirit. And this, there's just—I want to give a couple categories that I've seen in the church and. This is something I think we need to address, because communication is not just about our content. And I think we really miss this in the information age. In our information age, we seem to boil all truth down to content. What I can post, what I can tweet, what I can write. You know, Even I just talked about a book, right? It's, it's the content that I can write down. But the Bible talks a lot about the spirit of our communication, It talks a lot about relationship, and those issues of relationship and the spirit and the motivation behind why we communicate is very important, and it's important to the ministry that I do. And so when I started this show back up, The Fairly Spiritual Show, I wanted this to be a central uh, issue that I brought to you. I want you to know that this is my heart. And, And I'll just put it this way. I've been around people who agree with me theologically. They agree with me theologically in the truths. They believe in the Trinity. I believe in the Trinity. Or they believe in the virgin birth. Or we can write, we could take a test on who is Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, You know, we could go through those tests and we could score the same, right? As far as we agree. But when we hang out or when we interact or when I see them interact in social media or I see them interact in the world, their spirit and their attitude is opposite from mine, or my spirit and attitude is opposite from them. In fact, I feel as if I have hardly anything in common with them, except for our agreed-upon principles, or our agreed-upon theology, or doctrine. On the other hand, I've met people where I disagree with them on many doctrinal points, and yet at some level, I connect with them at a pretty profound level with the spirit of their communication. Now... I think this is something we need to delve into because I don't think that in heaven God is doing this. He's saying, well, as long as you can fill out the form and answer the right questions, then you're okay. I don't think it works that way. I don't think there's this hierarchy of what's most important is you have the right content, but you don't have the right spirit. In fact, if you read the New Testament and if you look at the life of Jesus, it seems like the spirit behind what we do is pretty important. The motivations behind what we do are pretty important. So I, I want to look at this, and this is what I've seen. Uh, I'll see this on social media. I've seen this, and we'll we'll look at this, this theme a lot. We're in a very polarized society now, but I see uh, conservative Christians and progressive Christians. And I'll, I've noticed this on Twitter. I'll see a a progressive christian or a theologically progressive christian or so we have a, let's see a very conservative and a very progressive christian and I'll, and I'll I'll notice that they're arguing over their points but they seem to have the same spirit and I'll even notice some very uh influential progressive christians and I'll just start researching their history and I'll realize that they came out of these environments that they're now speaking against that they used to be heavily involved in conservative environments that in my opinion were very legalistic and very law-bound and much more about laws and rules and regulations than about the grace and love of God. But what I notice is now they have different content. They have different theology. They have different beliefs about how God works or they have different political convictions or they have different political affiliations. But the way they are communicating seems very similar. It's the same kind of legalistic way. It's the same kind of we're right and you're wrong. It's the same kind of we're the good guys and you're the wrong guys. And, and what, what I believe, and I would say to you as much as I could say this humbly, is that maybe they're just the other side of the same worthless coin. Now, they're not worthless, but that legalistic spirit is worthless that they're, they haven't dealt with the core problem. That the core problem is that we are not saved and we are not made righteous based on having really good opinions about really good principles. And that we don't communicate the gospel by having really good principles and really good laws and really good regulations and really good thoughts. And we don't rally around one another by we all agree with these really good principles and these really good laws and these really good Regulations, and, and I'm going to show you how this works itself out. Here's one category that I've seen. Now, within conservatives, and there's been this new brand. In the Northwest, this happens. I'm in the Seattle area. And you, you see this. There were people who were raised in legalistic env- environments that had lots of rules. Lots of rules. So they were raised in environments where you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't chew, you don't go with girls that do, right? You, just, you don't do any of those things. If you're in a movie theater, if you want to go way back, if you're in a movie theater and the Lord returns you're not going to heaven because clearly God isn't in the movie house. You don't dance, you know, your skirt goes down to your ankles. Whatever the form of legalism is, there was this big list of rules. Now, some of the rules were written down, some of them were just implied, and you knew. The righteous people do this, and the non-righteous people do that. So there's all these rules. Maybe one of the rules is just, you don't drink, ever. You just you don't drink any alcohol. It's wrong. Sinners drink alcohol. The righteous don't. So there are some people who were raised in those environments. And they, they believe that, well, that's wrong. That's, those rules are wrong. And so now they decided, I don't want all those rules. Now, this is what I've seen. Instead of moving to a different foundation, they just go from having a lot of rules to no rules Or maybe one or two rules. It's still a form of legalism. It's just a different amount of laws. And uh, I've seen this expression. So they'll still live their life based on, you're righteous if you do these things. And if you don't do these things, you're not righteous. It's still a system. It's still based on righteous people do this and non-righteous people do this. It's very systems-based. So they'll have this rule. And I, I remember seeing Mark Driscoll would do this in his writings about alcohol. Uh, Mark Driscoll would write uh, about, well, you know, in the past, all these people said alcohol is bad. And he'd and read his writings about alcohol and he'd basically just say, oh, no, there's nothing wrong with alcohol and use it in moderation or something like that. But to me, he was just making another law. So the old law is alcohol, alcohol is bad. The new law is alcohol is fine. And that's what you see. I, I've been around, I'm around people who, they had a form of legalism when they were younger, where there was lots of rules and regulations, and now they say, well, I'm free from that, so I can kind of do whatever I want, and here's the few laws I follow. And, then, and they'll write those laws down, whatever they think they are. Because I'm not under legalism anymore, I don't have to worry about drinking, I don't have to worry about where I go, I don't have to worry about swearing, I don't have to worry about, because swearing's a law. So in the old time, uh, swearing's a law, the new law is uh, swearing's okay. But the reality is those are still just laws. The old law was swearing's bad. The new law is swearing is good. It's still just a form of legalism. It's just new legalism. And you can see uh, the consequences of this, how they could be really damaging. Because people are not to be led by the law, but to be led by relationship with God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because here's the reality. Alcohol might be okay for some, and for others, it's terrible. It's a terrible idea. And swearing might be fine for some, and for others, it might be a terrible idea. And just to make blanket statements to say, no, you don't have to encounter what God says for you or how God is leading. You can just say, I don't have to worry about it. That's the law. The freedom I have now is I can do whatever I want. I can just do what I feel like doing. I can just do what others say is okay. Here's my new law. So you see that kind of legalism. I I had a friend uh, or someone I knew through the church who... uh, Uh, was raised in extreme legalism, and he came out of that. And so he was like, you know, Christians can do whatever, and uh, drinking was a fine thing, and I can go to the bars. And again, I, I don't have a problem with a Christian going to a bar and having a drink. I'm not going to put that law on someone. But for this man, he should not go to bars, and he should not drink. Why? Because he has a problem with alcohol. But instead of encountering that reality with God and letting the Holy Spirit lead him, He just followed this new legalism. And so he was struggling with his marriage, and he met with another pastor who had this new form of legalism who said, ah, there's nothing wrong with this. So the pastor met with him in this bar, and they talked about his marriage. Now listen to this. This guy's struggling in his marriage. He's in a vulnerable, emotional place. They're meeting in a bar in their newfound freedom with their new law that it doesn't matter about drinking. In fact, it's perfectly fine. And they're not considering what God is saying to them personally right now. And he sits down and has his drink with him and talks to him about his marriage. Well, the pastor leaves and my friend stays there. My friend should not be in that bar and he should not be drinking. And so he drinks a little bit more. Guess what happens? He gets in his car. He shouldn't be in his car because he's had too much to drink. He gets pulled over, gets a DUI. All the next things happen. What the DUI, license revoked, affects work, affects all kinds of things. He should not be in a bar, he should not be drinking, he should not be meeting a pastor there. Why? Because of some great law? No. Because the Holy Spirit, because the Lord, because frankly just because of practicalness, would reveal that that's not a good idea. But if we embrace legalism, we'll just say, oh, it's free for everyone, it's great for everyone. We won't look at these individual issues. And I, I see this right now, this form of legalism. And I've seen this. Many people who are raised in a legalism with lots of laws go, oh, I'm free from that now. So now I will live a new form of legalism. I just have no laws. I have nothing. I just, I'll do whatever because I'm free. Doing whatever is abandonment. God has specific things he wants us to do. And he has different things. He has different things for you than he has for me. The difference between holiness... And legalism is whether we have an intermediary between us and God. See, when God comes to us, God can have standards that are much higher than the world's. God can come to me and say, Doug, I don't want you to go into that place because it's not for you. God can say, I don't want you to touch alcohol because it's not for you. And I can say, well, what what about that person over there? And he can say, no, it's fine for them. In fact, I'm calling them to minister to people within those bars, but for you... Uh, You can't touch it. That's how intimate God's holiness is. And and God can say, I want to pull you out of this, or I can put you into this, or I want to bring you into this relationship, or I I don't want you to watch TV, or I don't want you to be on Twitter, or I want you to be on Twitter all the time, or God has specific plans and purposes for each person. God can come to us and say, I want you to stop swearing. I, 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 I don't believe that that is right for you and right for your children and right for the people around you. If God is speaking these things to us through the Holy Spirit, through our prayer life, through reading the Scripture, through godly community, then that is holiness, and there's nothing wrong with holiness. It's legalism if I come to you and say, this is what you need to do. You need to stop using Twitter, or you need to stop going there, and you need to stop doing this, because righteous people do this, and unrighteous people do that. Now I am an intermediary, and I am becoming your God, and I am becoming your judge, and I am putting a law on you, instead of bringing you into relationship. Now, I can say, you know, God told me to do this based on this relationship with God, and it seems to be conformed or confirmed by Scripture. But I'm asking you to seek God's face and for you to do what God has called you to do. I'm not your judge, but God does call us to holiness. And every time the Spirit of the Lord is poured out, holiness is a fruit of that, and it's relational holiness. And what you find is if people don't have a relationship with God, the next generation, it becomes legalism. When you pass it on to the kids, it becomes legalism because they don't have a relationship with God, and it becomes legalism. That's one form of legalism, going from lots of laws to no laws, or to no regulations. It's not about regulations. It's about relationships and the leading of the Holy Spirit. I've also seen this, that some have gone from one set of laws to a different set of laws. We used to have conservative laws. Now we have progressive laws. But the same spirit of attacking people, the same spirit of judging people, the same spirit of calling people righteous or not righteous based on whether they believe the way we believe, whether they have the same political persuasions, whether they address the issues in the same way we address them, loving people differently based on whether they have the same political or social convictions that we have. You see the same spirit, but just addressed in a different way. Attacking people, devouring people, harming people with a different perspective than us because they have different opinions than us. Not recognizing that it's not just the opinions that matter, but it's the motivation behind them. And I talked in in our last show about this, forgetting that it's about reconciling, not about just being right. Now, the Apostle Paul addressed this. This is throughout the Bible, but one of the principles that leads me when it comes to this religious spirit is the Apostle Paul addressed this quite a bit. And he talked about it in terms of katanuma and katasarka. Now, you're not going to hear me say Greek much on this uh, show, but this helps me. Katanuma is according to the spirit, katanuma. Katasarka is according to the flesh. And Paul used these two distinctions to be able to look at two different ways that we can live our lives. We can live our lives according to the flesh or according to the spirit. Katanuma or katasarka. In Romans 8, the Apostle Paul looks at this, and in fact, uh, I'm going to see if I can look at this right here, and just pull it up for us. On Romans 8, the Apostle Paul talked about the difference between living according to the Spirit and according to the flesh. Paul mentioned that those who live according to the flesh will set their minds on the flesh, and that setting your mind on the flesh will actually lead to death. But those who set their mind on the Spirit will keep in step with the Spirit, and that will lead to life. Let me just read a little bit of this. There's been a lot of misteaching on this, so I want to just give some detail on this. Romans 8 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set us free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, not according to uh, kata sarka, but according to the Spirit, numa. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. We're buried at the cross. Our sins died at the cross through Christ. So we died at the cross. Our sins died at the cross. And now the spirit has been given to us, those of us who are in Christ. So the body is dead because of sin. The spirit is life because of righteousness. Because we've been made righteous through Christ, we have the spirit, which is life in us. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and the spirit does dwell in us, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. And as you read on, uh, and if you go a little later, Paul says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep, or as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And I just encourage you to read uh, Romans 8. Because I, I just don't have time to to go into all this. But the Apostle Paul sets up the reality of this is how we can live our life. We can live our life according to the flesh or according to the Spirit. Now, according to the flesh is not some sort of, like, just sexual sins and the fleshly, like, I just want to live to, for sinful and evil purposes. To live according to the flesh is just to live according to the senses, to what I can taste and touch and see. If we live according to the flesh, we'll die. We know even this body will die. Our flesh will die. We need the Spirit to resurrect these bodies, right? Well, Paul says, through the cross, our, we've died, right? Our sins were crucified on the cross. And now we've been made righteous through the cross, and we've been given the Holy Spirit, and there will come a day where the Holy Spirit will resurrect our bodies. But we can now live, not based on our senses, but based on the leading of the Holy Spirit. So we are not led by the law, by rules and regulations. We are not led by sensuality, by what feels good or doesn't feel good. We are led by the leading of the Spirit, by relationship. That Jesus Christ went to the cross not only to forgive us of our sins and to make us right with God, but so that we could have relationship with God. And now, full of the Holy Spirit, we can know and do the will of God in part. We don't live based on rules and laws and regulations. We live based on relationship through the leading of the Holy Spirit. That relationship is confirmed by the Word of God and by the body of Christ. It's not just, well, I'm going to do some weird thing because the Spirit of the Lord told me. The Spirit will lead us in accordance with Holy Scripture and the body of Christ. But we're not called to laws and rules and regulations, and we're not called to a religious spirit. We're called to relationship. What I've seen is some people have come out of legalistic environments, and they've been brought out of those legalistic environments but now they're still living a legalism, but just a different form. They just don't have any rules or laws or regulations, or they just have a few rules, laws, or regulations, or they just have new rules, laws, and regulations. But what they might not have is a religious life or a spiritual life that is rooted in being led by the Holy Spirit. Katanuma. To be led by the Holy Spirit. God loves us, so the Holy Spirit doesn't come to condemn us, to harm us, to hurt us, but the Spirit comes to lead us. We can be led katanuma. It's not weird. It's not some trance you go into. It's just that the Holy Spirit is close to us, and when we begin to ask God questions, He begins to lead us into a holiness that can be very personal to our own life. Yes, the cross makes us righteous, but the expression of that righteousness in our individual lives can be expressed very differently dependent upon who we are and what God has called us to. And I believe there are people listening right now where God is calling you into areas of holiness that you might be reluctant to walk into because you've been reluctant to listen to the Holy Spirit. Or God might be calling you into areas of freedom because you've been reluctant to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Katanuma, according to the Spirit. When I communicate online, I don't want to communicate just to be right. I want to communicate because I believe the Holy Spirit is calling me to express these things. When I interact with people, I want the motivations of my heart not just to be right laws, right regulations, right rules, but the leading of the Holy Spirit. We have to be careful. We can be in these environments where we think being right was about having the right beliefs, the right behaviors, the right dress, the right action, and we leave those environments because we know the behaviors and the actions and the dresses were wrong, but now we've just adopted new behaviors, new actions, new dresses, but we don't have a relationship that's rooted in spirit-led life. That's the question I have for you, the question I have for me, Am I locking my relationship into laws and regulations or sensuality? Or am I locking my relationship into a relationship that's led by the Holy Spirit? This is something all of us need to look at, and there's plenty of Scripture to help us along the way. Okay, so this is what we're going to do next week. I'm really excited. We are doing a special 18-part series where I'm going in-depthly into a theology of community you're going to have a just a—I don't know how to explain this—but a full immersion into why community is central in the Old Testament and the New Testament, why the church is central, why relationships are central. I think it'll encourage your heart greatly. I'm really excited to bring this to you. I've already worked on a couple of shows. I think you'll be greatly encouraged I really hope that you listen to the show. In fact, they're going to come out more than just once a week. I may release two a week. I don't know. I'm so excited about it. I might get them to you quicker. But anyway, uh, I so much appreciate you listening to the show. Please subscribe through iTunes. You can listen to us on SoundCloud as well. You can go to fairlyspiritual.org if you want more information about what I'm doing, or if you'd like to pre-order my new book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. The theme music for our show is from my brother, Dan Bursch. You can find his music on iTunes. Make room for the Lord. Love you guys. See you later.
1: They say that I cannot do what you've called me to. dream.